Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And our guest today is Khalid Turk. He's chief healthcare information technology officer at the Santa Clara County Health System. Welcome, Khalid. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, excited to learn from you. Uh, we bumped into each other at a conference and got to know each other a little. I was like, you have to be on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. Uh, but for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and Santa Clara County Health System. Sure. Uh, thank you again for having me. My name is Khalid Turk. I work as my work title is Chief Healthcare Information Technology Officer, which I know is mouthful. But essentially what I do, I lead the IT side for the County of Santa Clara Health System. And when we talk about health system, it comprises of three hospital, hospitals, multiple clinics, behavioral health services department, and public health. We are one of the largest public healthcare system in the country. And I'm very proud to serve our community of about 2 million people here in the county of Santa Clara. That's awesome. Well, it's an amazing area to live too. So I'm jealous of you there, but... You know, I want to talk with you, uh, I think mostly about digital transformation today. What would you say is the best digital transformation project you've worked on at your healthcare organization? And you know, tell us what were the keys to the success of that project? Sure. Thank you. A great question again, John. Uh, I have been in this county since 2013 in varying roles. I used to work as an independent consultant. And in 2020, I took this job to lead this department. In that rather long period, we have done a lot of projects, a lot of interesting projects. I would see at the forefront are two of them. One is actually when we started implemented the, implementing the EHR here, it is an EPIC mm -hmm. system. We started the implementation in 2013 and it continues to improve as I speak. And that is for the hospital side and the clinical side. Also for the behavioral health department, we have implemented a separate EHR system. It's the hmm. called My Avatar from NetSmart. That implementation started in 2019 and completed in 2020. We continue to improve that. So we have two major EHR systems implemented in this county. Currently, our focus is towards the public health department, which has generally has not gotten the attention that they deserve. But in the wake of pandemic and post-pandemic, obviously, that's where most of the attention is going. So we get ready for the future challenges. And in that regard, we are implementing a huge project there with the help of some public grant and we are implementing data lake system where we'll collect data from varying agencies that send out to the public uh, department and then provide some dashboards to the end users so that is where their focus is so i would say two major emrs and now the data lake system for the public health department. That is our, the focus of the digital transformation. Very quickly, not to take too much time, I'll also yeah. mention that during this journey of past 10 years, uh, the couple of very interesting projects that have helped me to grow as a professional, as well as establish our organization in the, as one of the leaders in digital transformation is the opening up a new hospital that we did in 2017, and we added 162 beds. That was also a huge contribution to our digital transformation efforts. And on top of that, in 2018, our county went ahead and acquired two more hospitals, O'Connor and St. Louis, combined about 450 beds. And bringing those two hospitals into the fold of our system, I would also call it 
a project of digital transformation because they had age-old technologies bringing to the R standards was quite a work that we had to do. I'll also tell you that twice we have received him stage seven, which is highest level that an organization can receive for better using your system. So our efforts towards the digital transformation actually have been recognized by the industry, both through HIMSS in the form of stage seven, and also through the CHIME in the form of the most wired organization. Thank you, John, back to you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, the idea of EHR is transformative because we almost take it for granted now. I think, you know, like meaningful use obviously pushed it all forward and pushed all of us towards the EMR and implementing it. But it's interesting to, you know, like that you highlight it so important as, you know, talk to us about how the EHR or EMR, if you prefer, uh, has transformed the organization and how it's core to your mission. Definitely. As I was briefly mentioning earlier, we serve a community of about 2 million people and we are one of the most diverse community in the whole country, I would say. Just to give you an example, we speak more than 60 languages in the county wow. per 2 million. So every given day, we are engaging with the patients that speak. Uh, they could have come from any corner of the world and settled here and also speak any of the languages. So when we implement our digital services, we really keep our patient at the, at the forefront of that. So our systems provide services in different languages. We have different access methodology. People can visit the clinics. People can uh, do the video calls. People can obviously we use the telemedicine. So all the aspects of the digital transformation are the EHR implementation. They are focused towards the patients that we have. And uh, we have a rather large engagement even in this community, which is very diverse. Uh, we have uh, our very well-established patient portal service which is obviously based on the MyChart, which is an epic product. And uh, we have about 60% of our patients actually use their service. For others, we have different methods like reaching out through their mobile devices and whatnot. So we are using our digital technologies to the fullest to serve our community. That's great. So, so what are you working on now as far as digital transformation? What technologies are you looking at? What processes, you know, what, what's next? Yes, uh, that's a great question. As I said, that uh, one of the major activity that is happening is in the public health department. Mm -hmm. We are establishing the whole data lake services over there. And uh, essentially, the last three years has been a great time for learning that how we can enhance our services, how we can provide the timely data towards our decision makers so they can react accordingly. And one challenge that we had during the pandemic, like every other organization we were learning too, we had slightly older tools there. But now with the collection and processing and reporting of the data is the forefront. So they'll continue on the public health. What is happening on the hospital side, as I was mentioning, we have three hospitals, multiple clinics, is that we are actually uh, going to have the, rather we just had the 10th anniversary of our EMR implementation. The go live date was May 4, 2013. So after completing the 10 years, we have learned a lot. We started with just 10 plus products, epic products or modules as we call them. Right now we have over 30 different modules across hospitals and clinics. So recently we have published our three years strategy or what we call roadmap here. In that roadmap, there are multiple uh, items that we're gonna achieve or multiple objectives that we're gonna achieve. One of them is obviously patient engagement. I think the DFD, our digital front door is almost a cliche now, but we are really <laughs> focusing it. As I was saying earlier that our adoption from the 
from the MyChart portal, our patient portal is only 60%. We have to enhance that. We are adding a lot of services. One of them is the self-pay. We have not had so far, but that's one of the projects that we are working on. I think that is also an important uh, step forward towards patient engagement. Recently, with the help of Arch Collaborator, we did the survey of our providers and nurses, and there are a lot of um, there was a lot of feedback from there that is a focus of our three-year plan, where we are going to focus on provider training or retraining. We have trained a lot of providers in the past 10 years, but we need to continue to focus on that, that how we can make it even more easier for the providers to be productive. And the third yeah. one is obviously, which is generally called the tail end of the system, which is revenue cycle. When we're mm. talking about the EMR, we focus is patient engagement and the documentation. But essentially all that we do that we also have to serve towards the bottom line. We are a nonprofit, but still we have to make sure that we the services that we are pri provide, they are paid for. So the one of the focus area for us in the next few years is the revenue cycle and how we can optimize and improve that. So these are the few things that we'll be working on in the next three years. Nice. So, you know, all the hype at the, the conferences online, et cetera, you know, is, is AI, uh, you know, led by ChatGPT probably, uh, you know, that's driving all this innovation. How much of this AI that's being talked about today is hype and how much of it is real in your opinion? And, and maybe, you know, how are you cutting through all this AI noise in the health IT space? Sure. Uh, AI, I think, is real and is here finally even though it's interesting how the pop culture actually pops out some of the technological concepts. Chat GPT, GPT has been here since November and in different forms. And recently it became very popular and made the AI, the conversation of, uh, they brought the conversation to actually dining table on every day. So that is so common. Everybody understands that term. And I was so surprised to see that, uh, that uh, some of the technologies it, it took them to years to get to the 100 million users and ChatGPT progress achieved that in a month or so. That is Amazing. phenomenal. So it's real, it is here. The question is what could be the applications in the healthcare? When we talk about healthcare, there are two aspects of that. One is actually the patient care side of that. And one is which I lead, which is the technology side of that. So the use of the ChatGPT or generally AI is slightly different. So first I'll cater towards the patient care side. Patient care side, obviously AI is not the panacea there. It's not gonna solve every problem, but there's a lot of progress happening there. And we all look forward to that from the drug design or discovery to the patient care or early diagnosis. There's a lot of progress being made there. And that is welcome to all of us because eventually everybody um, uh, has to use the healthcare services. So once we bring the AI towards there to early diagnosis, treatment and drug design, that'll be wonderful for us. But today I'm gonna focus on the side that we mostly use. We means the technologists are administrators. In that regard, ChatGPT is only one of the tools that is out there. Recently in the news, uh, Epic has partnered with Microsoft. That's a major step. They are doing the pilot where they're going to automate some of the communication from the providers to the patients using mm -hmm. the ChatGPT, ChatGPT4. The pilot is happening here in California in our neighborhood. Stanford University is one of the early adopters of the program. So we are cautiously optimistic. We are looking towards that. Uh, historically, we are somewhat risk averse and conservative in that approach. So we will see and observe the learnings, but we are very closely observing that. But there is no going away from that. Uh, we are also Microsoft customers. We use their tools heavily. 
uh, you may be aware that Microsoft is, uh, has launched this Copilot, which actually integrates some of the AI services because Microsoft is also a partner with the OpenAI and ChatGPT. So AI is going to be on your desktop. In your desktop, my desktop, everybody's desktop. How we utilize that is obviously to be learned and uh, uh, in the whole process. But I'm pretty much excited. It brings a lot of uh, uh, productivity. It definitely improves our productivity and efficiency. So I'm definitely excited about that, looking forward to that. But on the patient care side, we will continue to monitor it rather with a cautious optimism. Sure. Yeah, I mean, in healthcare, we have to be careful, right? <laughs> That's, That's right. You know, we, we want the uh, productivity, but we have to make sure patients are taken care of too. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah. So is there something that, you know, you you, you meet with a lot of CIOs, right? Uh, you're, a lot of your colleagues, uh, is there something that, you know, you and your, your, your colleagues are concerned with that maybe not enough people are talking about? Yeah, a few things come to mind in that regard. Uh, one of the foremost, I think uh, it's not necessarily that nobody's talking about, like Jet, uh, GPT, or AI, everybody's take, talking about right. that, but that is one of my major concern, which is the data security and privacy. How are we gonna keep the systems are secure? One of the aspect of the AI, it's where is a tool for good, it can be tool for evil too, especially at the hand of bad players across the world. So one of my main concern, and I pretty much every CIO is, talk, is talking about that, how are we gonna keep our system secure? Uh, as somebody says that, well, your system's being hacked is only a matter of when, not the if. Everybody some point in time is going to be victim of the uh, various cyber attacks. So that's one area that we will continue to focus on and how we can keep our data secure and keep it private. So that's the main concern. And I think it's a talk of the town, but it's a very important aspect. Yep. So that's what I want to talk about. The other thing that I think generally people uh, may not be talking about, but I am personally very concerned. It is the core of my leadership philosophy and core of every team. That is the people. You know, generally they say that technology has the this uh, this triangle of people process technology mm -hmm. i basically call it people 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 actually they are uh, <laughs> at every corner of that why or every angle of that because if your people are engaged and motivated and cared for the process and technology will take care of itself what has happened in past three years that people have been under a lot of stress i sense that there's a lot of burnout and we continue to ask uh, our people to do more with less, especially now that the economy is having a downturn, downturn, unfortunately, for some time. So there are curbs on the budget. There are less uh, funding available for doing the projects, but the demand side is not going down. So what does it mean that all of us, myself, my team, continues to have the pressure that you'll do more with the less? And that's where my concern is. So one thing that I'm particularly concerned about, the emotional well-being the physical well-being are our people. And I'll continue to focus on that. And that topic, I don't think is getting the attention because a lot of noise out there of the AI and whatnot, but what about the people? You know, AI is not replacing us anytime soon. So we have to make sure that our teams, our individuals continue to be cared for, respected, and stay productive. 
Well, there's people that need to implement the AI anyway. So <laughs> you're right about security. I heard someone uh, describe recently just a simple example. You know, all those phishing emails that had spelling mistakes. Now they won't because of ChatGPT, right? <laughs> like, you know, like just a small change that's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Are there things you're doing specifically for your people? You know, is it remote work? Is it acknowledgement? Is it just even asking them what do they need? How are you approaching that people problem? Because it is a big issue. Yeah, I have, I have a few tools that I use. Uh, obviously, we have a hybrid work environment and it's coming more and more towards being on site. We have been remote 100% for a long time. We only invited our people once every pay period, which is two weeks. But now we are coming to the new norm, which is two days on site, three days off, but that's going to increase with time. That is the county policy and direction that we are following. Gotcha. Other than that, what we do that uh, personally, as well as an organization, yes, we recognize people, we reward people. On top of that, I create forums where people can come and talk with me. I have bi-weekly open office hour, virtual. Anybody can drop in, ask any question, share their concern. So they have a forum that they share. I also run a mentorship program, which is kind of a, something that I generally did on my own self to help people that if they have career related or other issues or problems, I make my calendar available three times a week in the evenings and anybody can book my calendar come and talk with me, whether they have a normal advice or they want to share a concern or just want to talk. So essentially people want to be heard, people want to be listened and they want some forum to share, especially in this new norm where we don't see each other on daily basis. And I have a rather large team. So I'm trying to create multiple forums for them where they can engage with me and share their perspective. Excellent. Well, you know, as you look around the industry, there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work in health IT, but where do you think we're going to see the most innovation in healthcare? Is it vendors, EHRs, startups, the health systems themselves, retail, big tech? I mean, there's a lot of players there. Who are you watching to see the innovation happen? Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, the simple answer is going to be all of the above. And yeah. then I pick a few of the items. The healthcare landscape is changing in America. It's already complex, but I think it's changing to a great deal. Historically, the doctor used to do the house call, right? The house visits, not, I mean, quite long ago, I would say. Yeah, little house I on the prairie, we know that. Exactly. <laughs> then patients started coming to the doctors. Now we are taking the care back to the patient, not necessarily physically, but also uh, electronically or digitally. So home health is one area that is going to, I think, explode technologically where people will be, we already have the video visits on a regular basis. We'll continue to do the video visits. We, in near future, are going to integrate some of the patient monitoring tools. They are already happening, but it's not happening. Even if you went to the recent conferences, you see one of the areas that is growing that how we can um, bring in some sophisticated technology to the patient in an affordable way. Many companies are playing in that domain so the people can have more accurate as simple as temperature or blood pressure reading or a few other readings. So that area will increase that patient can see the doctor or doctor can see the patient at the, at the comfort of patient, which could be in their workplace or could be in their homes. That is one area. Mm -hmm. The other area that is, I think is gonna innovate, uh, a, a lot of innovation is gonna happen is actually the care delivery. Care delivery 
seeing patients at home is one thing, but now I see a trend, even just driving by the trend of these uh, small clinics opening up everywhere, like the emergency, urgency clinic, urgent clinics everywhere. So retail side of the healthcare uh, will mushroom, especially with the help of these giant health, uh, healthcare players, like Amazon is coming into that and many other organizations, Apple to some extent also has, yeah. but generally focus Walmart. on their employees. <laughs> Walmart is doing that, many organizations are doing that. So I think the retail is going to expand in the, rather the healthcare is gonna expand through the retail area and maybe through the retail providers. Every time you're gonna to go to uh, get a grocery, you probably will be getting your blood drawn or blood pressure monitored or something like that. So to some extent, it does happen right now. You can go to Safeway and get your quest is working inside. But I think there's more like accessible way of doing that. That is going to mushroom in the new future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we always like to end these uh, podcasts with a little bit of career discussion or career advice. Uh, so what would you say is the most important thing someone could do in their career? Yeah, there are a lot of things come to my mind, but I think that one thing that has helped me I was born and raised in a development country in a rather challenging environment. And I was lucky enough to come here to America, establish my career, started out working as a software engineer, eventually became the uh, technology lead for one of the largest healthcare systems in America. So I'm really proud of my achievements and also humble and thankful for the opportunities that this environment has provided. So what has helped me, I can only speak from my experience that never, box yourself or pigeonhole in your title or work you do. Mm. Always see that where you can add value. Can you expand? If your title is, a, for example, a business systems analyst, if you just look at the job description and do what is the job asked to do, I don't think you are adding a value to the organization. You're just doing the worth for the title. So what I have done, I've always looked around me uh, vertically and horizontally and see where the opportunities are. I've reached out to the leaders. I say, where I can add value? Can I help you? And can I help you? It's not just for your boss to look good or your <laughs> boss's boss, but your colleague too. Can I help you in this work? Asking, reaching out to other teams. I would especially advise to the uh, young generation in this profession that try to bring value to the organization in any ways you can. That could be on the social front, that could be on the actual work front, your own job. You always add value to your own job or what else you can do. And I think once you start doing that, your attitude will change, eventually you'll get noticed and it'll open up the doors for you and those opportunities will help you rise. There is no shortcut in my experience, there's no shortcut to get to the top. And if that is your thing to get on the top, but you can always add value without getting at the top. Everybody can be a leader in their own uh, position, in their own title. And how you can be the leader, that is what's going to make you different than the rest of the employees. Yeah, it's good advice. And it kind of, you know, I'm like pairing that with what you said about the challenge of your people, right? And making sure that people are satisfied. You know, an employee that tries to add value, right? That collaborates with colleagues, that works with leaders, you know, that, that enjoys their work and finds value in their work, it creates that better environment too. I imagine you've seen that, right? Versus someone who's just complaining the whole time, just wants to do their job, doesn't want to go outside this little square box, like that, that creates a bad culture. Is that what you've seen as well? 
That is true. That does create a bad culture. And one thing that I would ask from leaders and first for myself that you lead by example, I do lead by example. As I was telling you briefly earlier that one of the projects that I'm proud of worked on opening up a new hospital. And I was leading my team uh, to open up this 162 bed hospital within the county, the Sobrado Pavilion. And me, myself and my team used to do anything to make it happen because we had such a tight deadline so, more, so much work to be done. So if you have to put a desktop on a desk so it could be tested or a software could be tested or workflow, make yourself available to that. You don't say, oh, it's, I'm a chief. It's not my title. No, I'm a chief. I call myself a chief servant. And my job is to get things done, not to live up to my title, but live up to the deliverables and the value that I add to the organization. Yeah. I love it. Uh, chief servant is a, is a good way to approach it. Servant leadership is, is a nice way. Uh, I like that. Well, Khaled, I appreciate you taking time to join us on the podcast and sharing your insights and perspectives. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application. Thanks, Khaled. Thank you, John. Thank you again for having me. It was nice talking with you today. Thank you.